0: Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth, with your experts in all aspects of wealth accumulation, preservation, and income planning guaranteed to last a lifetime. And now your host of Straight Talk Wealth, Bruce Whiting.
1: By the way, my name is Bruce the yes, boost tall, big, beautiful,
2: and strong. Hey, I guess that's me. Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk Wealth Radio. Listen. We are doing a one-off here for KFWB. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Okay, chill. The reason we are doing this show is because there are some really urgent, urgent things that are happening right now in our economic environment that are going to affect the markets, that are going to affect Americans that are trying to plan for their retirement, that have their investments. and It all has to do with trying to get off this drug called stimulus that Mr. Bernanke has pumped us on higher than a kite in this country, and now we are trying to come down. And the question is going to be whether we die from the drugs or die from the withdrawal And how do we get off? So, the name of the show today is Addicted to Stimulus Can the Fed. Can Mr. Bernanke get the U.S. through rehab?
1: Better make sure nothing happens to my goals.
2: Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly on point. Look, Straight Talk Wealth Radio has been on the airwaves here in Southern California since 2007. Our purpose is to help hard working people understand who are actually going to be the winners and the losers in this historically unique financial decade of the 2010s. We are not about how to get out of debt or finally start saving Saving money. I mean, there's other great experts that cover those topics. We're not about whether you can afford a new car or your designer's shoes that you want or how to even discipline yourself to save money. Those are very important, but there are enough people out there being experts on that that we don't need to be experts on that. We are speaking to people who have accumulated some wealth Because, my friends, they are the ones that are at risk. And I'm afraid that in these complacent times, they have forgotten that. And they have forgotten what's made things look so good these days. And it's the drug dealer. And it's the stimulus and the drugs. And at some point, that's going to have to change. And so what happens to these folks that have accumulated a lot is they run the risk that the next turn of events in stocks... Or in gold or whatever they're in, in the investment markets, could seriously change their plans in what could be the final hour just before they're ready to use that wealth. And their lives are founded. I'm telling you because we see it day in and day out in our offices here in Glendale at Tax-Free Benefit Specialists and Insurance Services in Glendale. We've been there for years and years. We have found that hardworking people that have done the discipline to save have now put themselves in a position where their entire financial future is pinned to events that they can neither predict or control. And being what I consider a student of the economy, I am not going to answer that with diversified pie charts of mutual funds. Like, everything's just the 90s. These are different times today. And in a big way, these changes have been papered over. So the real problem here is that these are still very different times that we do live in. And retirement savers have to now be educated and informed to the level of professional economists just to know if they're making the right decisions about their own financial future. Now, I'm going to tell you the solution, and we're going to go into this later on in the show, but the bottom line you need to understand about the solution is you weren't told that they switched the game on you. They took away a key cornerstone of the three cornerstones that retirement was always based on. They're taking away the second cornerstone, and they've left you with only the most risky single leg to stand on. Now, if you keep listening today, we got a ton of great educational information we're going to give away. I've just revised for 2013 a very groundbreaking report that I wrote so a high school sophomore could understand the details. It is called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis, and how to plan for it. It is heavily illustrated. It's easy to understand, but it's a very critical subject. Uh, the number for that, and you're going to get that with the retirement roadmap. I will tell you about the free service that goes with it They go ahead and hand. I got to tell you, we put out CDs, we put out reports, we put out videos. None of it is worth anything. It's all completely worthless unless unless you have a plan of application and action to go with it that suits your particular situation. So we always pair these offerings up with a free service we call a Retirement Roadmap for no charge, no obligation. You'll get that by calling 888-882-5578, 888 888-882- 882 Five, five, seven, eight. That's 888-8-TALK-STRAIGHT. That's actually four eights. 888-8-TALK-STRAIGHT. Keep that number in hand. I'm going to talk more about that later. Today's show, we are featuring Mark Faber, a Swiss industrial investor who's done incredibly well. He's going to talk about where the markets are. We're going to hear from the Wall Street Journal. Three things that are really right, that are going well in the economy you may not know about. And we're going to hear from my friend Harry S. Dent, the author of The Great Crash Ahead. I want to get right into that. Now, last week, we put an email out of news and analysis, which we do frequently just about every week to our uh, listener base. And you can get on that mailing list, by the way, by going to our website at straighttalkwealth.com. Dot com, StraightTalkWealth.com because that's the name of the show. Sign up for the mailing list. So we, we did this show and these folks actually got this same show you're listening to now but an elongated full interview version. You're, you you can't imagine the amount of edits that go into this. You're not going to get to hear the full interviews that we did with our various opinion leaders and economists. They get to hear that by being part of the insider group. Doesn't cost anything. You just have to go to the website and get on the mail. But the point is we had this whole show and we talked about interest rates. We talked about China, we talked about Japan, we talked about uh, the problem that the Fed's got with the world economy shifting and and not knowing whether he's going to print more money or not. And is that already priced into the markets? And the, everything you're seeing today is about that. And then the next day, after we publish that show and release it to our database, this article comes out in the Wall Street Journal. Global tumult grips markets. The tectonic plates of the world economy are shifting, moving the ten, the yield on the 10-year treasury to the highest level in more than a year. We were talking about interest rates have to go up and shaking financial markets from Tokyo to Mumbai and Johannesburg to Sao Paulo for the past few years. The global economy struggling to recover from a financial crisis has relied on a few constants. One, the US would pl- print plenty of money and keep interest rates very low. China would provide a lot of demand and vacuum up commodities around the world, and Japan was irrelevant. I read this, I went, I just finished a show on these three points being not something you can count on. So I just want you to understand everything we're looking at today. Boils down to this money printing and coming on or off. So, the first thing I want to get into is an interview on Bloomberg Radio, or excuse me, Bloomberg TV with Mark Faber, who is a Swiss uh, investment banker and uh, just has a credible record. And uh, he was being interviewed about where he thought the markets are and what the world pressures are right now to rise or drop uh, the markets. By the way, the other great feature about getting our podcasts and CDs is I talk a lot slower. Now, when this clip first starts, I have to say he's getting chided a little bit by not by being skeptical about stocks and equities for so long, uh, which he has been, because he truly believes that they're, they're not based on real economies. They're based on Fed floating money in and somewhere there'd be an end to that. So uh, he's getting chided a little bit by the moderator in terms of whether he's participated or not in that rise in the equities markets.
3: Have you participated How are you? in the rise of the equity markets in the United States? Well, I think that uh, I was relatively positive about U.S. stocks since March 2009. I haven't any short positions. I haven't been shorting any stocks since 2009. But uh, the U.S. march is up. Consumer confidence marches down, and emerging markets are performing badly relative to the U.S. The dollar is strong, indicating a tightening mm-hmm. of uh, international liquidity. And so I don't think that the U.S. market will go up a lot from here. I rather think that there is now considerable downside risk.
1: Mark, you have a unique perspective on continental Europe, Switzerland, Germany, and the rest of the (laughs) cacophony uh, right now. Just your thoughts on the past week and a half that we've seen.
3: Can Europe repair its house? They can repair it. And actually Europe has now a current account surplus, which is positive. But obviously the economy is contracting. Uh, we are in recession in europe and this will have an impact on the corporate profits of u.s. corporations as well and so i think that corporate profits in the u.s. will continue to contract as they have actually according to s&p contracted in the fourth quarter of two thousand and twelve
0: if you're looking at doom and gloom mark you have to obviously be owning gold (laughs) why hasn't it held up as a safe haven
3: Well, you see when you print money the money doesn't flow evenly into the economic system it stays essentially in the financial service industry and among people that have access to these funds mostly well to do people it doesn't go to the worker now I just mentioned it doesn't flow evenly into the system now from time to time it will lift the Nasdaq like between 97 and March 2000 then it lifted home prices in the US until 2007 and then it lifted commodity prices in 2008 until July 2008 when the global economy was operating right. in recession and more recently it's lifted selected emerging economies stock markets Indonesia the Philippines Thailand up four times from the right. 2009 lows and now the US so we're creating bubbles and bubbles and bubbles and uh, it, Also, this bubble will come to an end. My concern is that we're going to have a systemic crisis, where it's going to be very difficult to hide. Okay, Mark. Even in gold, will be difficult to hide.
1: Mark, my final question to you is simple: within your report (laughs) and the great caution that your readers look for from you, we've just seen bank accounts raided in
0: Cyprus. Does this set a precedence (laughs) for Europe, or is it a one-off event in Cyprus?
3: (laughs) Well. MF Global, uh, the depositors were also raided. It's nothing unusual. And philosophically, I believe that uh, we shouldn't have deposit insurances, blanket insurances by governments, because it would force savers to be very careful with which bank they would deposit the money. And so the good banks would pay very low interest and take low risks. Banks that take high risks, they would have high interest. By the way, right. in Cyprus, banks were paying very high interest. Like in Lebanon at the present time, I can get 6% on my deposits. So the depositors should have known something is dangerous. Right. But I would say the principle now is very important to understand. Until now, the bailouts in Europe and in the US were at the expense of the taxpayer. And from now onwards, in my view, The bailouts will be also at the expense of the asset holders, the well to do people. So if you have money, like I am concerned, I am sure the governments will take away one day, say, 20, 30% of my wealth. Okay, we're going to
1: have to leave it there. Mark Faber, thank you so much. Greatly (laughs) appreciated. All right, so you heard there, this
2: bubble, too, will come to an end. See, this is the problem. The problem is that we still live in a bubble economy, and that is something you can't take your eyes off of. Those of us that are aware of that fear the blow-up of the bubble. It was the blow-up in the real estate market that scared me to death. But I also understood by studying the economics that it was absolutely a bubble. I sucked a bunch of equity out of my home. And uh, one of the nicest things I've done for myself is I bought a beach condo when the market crashed out of the money that came out of my house when it was at the peak. And that was only—not to say I'm some— wealthy braggart or something, because I'm certainly not. I'm a hard-working American like the rest of you, and i got a lot of savings still to do. But the point is, you need to understand what happens in a bubble. And you're going to hear Harry Dent talk about, everybody is certain that the economy is just wonderful, and the dumb guys don't get how wonderful the bubbles are right up until the time that they burst. And Faber is saying that we've had a free ride in stocks. It's coming to an end. We've also, from the same impetus that has been bubbling stocks, which is money printing is the same impetus that bubbled gold. Now I'm getting calls about people, what did I do wrong? I bought gold. Now, you know, we may have more money printing. It may go back up, but you need to realize that the force that's driving it is the money printing. Now you're going to hear an interesting stat from Harry Dent a little bit. We have spent a trillion dollars in deficit spending of the government. That is, that is a fiscal stimulus. We've also printed a trillion dollars out of whole cloth. And, Pushed into the banks. That is monetary stimulus. And you know what the result has been on the economy? About 2% growth, 300 billion growth. So just think about if you took even a trillion dollars of that new money printing away. And that's the crux we're on today. And that's why we're saying bubbles and beware of bubbles because when that money printing stops, and it must, how long can this go on? then so much of the free ride that investors have had is going to start to change. And it is those people with wealth that are the ones that are at risk. It is the hardworking people that have filled up their 401ks and IRAs again and gotten back to where they were that are at the precipice and have gone complacent again about that risk. Now, I'm going to tell you why this is What caused this? What Keep this problem upon you. And in the next segment, I'm going to give you the solutions for it and tell you exactly what to do. But you need to understand that in the old days, there used to be three legs to retirement. The first leg was Social Security. And maybe we have that, maybe we don't have that coming. But let's plan on it for now. The second leg is your own savings and investments. It's what you could put together and invest and and do something with. But the third leg used to be the company pension nobody's got a company pension, maybe government workers have pensions, some union people, but most of the average American is missing that. Now, why is it so important? Because in essence, what a pension is based on is simply someone who can guarantee, who's got the fortitude and the ability and the financial strength to guarantee it, is going to tell you You live to a certain age, you contribute so much money to this, and this is the check you will get that is guaranteed for the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter what the investment markets do, and it doesn't matter what these other things happen, you're going to get your check. Now, of course, (laughs) underneath it all, it does matter, and that's part of why pensions disappeared. But that's why for the average working American, the jungle has gotten really, really rough, because we don't have pensions anymore that 's what we specialize at in tax free benefit specialists at insurance services and straight talk radio straight talk wealth radio we specialize in putting those pensions together at a part of a portfolio so that they will grow with guarantees in place by companies that can absolutely back those guarantees and make that growth occur i 'm not talking about bank guarantees here of one percent i 'm talking up to in many cases seven percent per year growth on the on the corpus of that pension guaranteed, and the second guarantee is when it starts to pay out, you can never outlive it. If your account went down to zero and you'd withdrawn all the money out, you would still get checks from the guarantors, and we used to use some very large insurance companies to back these up that have a history, even in the Great Depression, of never faltering. You want to find out how that would work for you and how that would look, you call 888-882-5578. 5578 We are only going to take the first 20 people. We're going to do a free retirement roadmap, which is sort of an analysis of where you are now versus where you're trying to get to. And we can then propose for no charge, no obligation, exactly what that kind of a pension concept would look like, because that's going to be your shelter from the storm when this bubble starts to break. And that's why people are so susceptible to bubbles. They're missing the pensions. Let's get on to the next segment of the show. Call that number, 888-882-5578. We'll tell you more about it in a little bit. Okay, Wall Street Journal clip. Let's talk about what's right with the economy, and then <laughs> we'll let Harry Dent rip it back apart again.
0: Unemployment is stubbornly high, income is stagnant, and Washington can't do anything without manufacturing some kind of fiscal crisis. Hi, I'm Jim Jelter at Market Watch. These are grim economic realities that we can't seem to escape, and yet parts of the economy are doing far better than you might think. MarketWatch Watch columnist Rex Nutting has a piece on our site that zeroes in on three areas of the nation's economy that offset a lot of the negatives out there. One of those is payrolls. We've been adding about 200,000 new jobs a month lately. Economists tell us that that number should be closer to 300,000 if we're going to be able to bring nationwide employment down from 7.5% to a much healthier 5.5%. Well, that's true. But a boom in employment isn't likely until we've seen a boom in the broad economy. Meanwhile, payrolls are up about 2.1 million over the past year. That's good news because it's at least keeping pace with the increase in population over the same period. And when consumer demand does pick up, most companies will be forced to add workers to meet demand. But here's another sign of underlying economic strength. Business investment is near historic highs. While we often hear that companies are stifling growth by hoarding cash, that only tells half the story. While they might have tons of cash, that doesn't mean that they haven't been investing. In fact, business investment has averaged $1.5 trillion a year over the past three years. Measured another way, that means business investment in the first quarter of this year was slightly more than 11% of GDP. Now, that's a pace of investment exceeded only twice in our history, during the first tech boom in the late 1990s and during the housing credit bubble of 2006 and 2007. Of course, they can invest even more. The only reason they aren't is because demand isn't strong enough to justify it. That brings us to consumer spending. Economists complain that the economy would be doing a lot better if people simply spent more money. That's because retail sales account for about 70% of GDP. But the numbers show that consumers are spending about as much as they can, and sometimes maybe more than they should. That can be seen in the rate of personal savings, which has fallen to 2.7%. That's extremely low, so don't blame consumers for holding back. They're already doing all they can to help the economy.
2: Okay, if you're not familiar with Harry S. Dent, Harry wrote a breakthrough book during the George Bush the I uh, recession that was very bleak, and he wrote The Coming Boom Years Ahead. And Harry is a student of demographic influences as they pressure economies. And his key issue right now is that the baby boom generation, which is like a football going through a garden hose as a demographic, is contracting its life cycle as a consumer because the average consumer peaks their spending at age 47 to 50, and by the time the kids get out of college, you can heap us all the cheap loans you want. We don't want to buy more loans. We don't want to consume more. We are only going to pay off debt, which takes money out of the economy, and save our money. So that's why that, that idea that the consumer is going to come back is contrary to the demographic trends, and those trends are currently all over the world in different patterns the only one that's got great demographics is india they have far fewer old people and far more younger people but the rest of the world has an older population and that's an influence on demographics so we interviewed harry and asked him about these points that were brought up in the wall street journal article uh, and and whether they weren't a ray of hope hey listen i want to go over some uh ideas here with you about what's happening in the news right now harry we just listened to a clip from the wall street journal And the clip was basically about three things that really are very good about the economy that are really working well. Now, the thing I want to look at here, you say investors and savers need to be aware that another big crash in stocks and even the global economy is coming. But I want to take this sample from the Wall Street Journal that we just heard. And I'll just read you one little quote from the article by Eric Morath says, if the U.S. consumer can maintain their increasingly confident mood and keep spending, the economy may be able to absorb the negative drag from declining government spending, and continue to move forward, said Jim Baird, chief investment officer of More and Financial Advisors. The economy has grown 15 consecutive quarters. So, Harry, my question is, we know corporate profits are way up. They're sitting on tons of profits and cash. Why shouldn't the stock market be happy about this?
1: Well, well it is happy. The question is, how are we getting this growth? And, and I'll tell you the answer. And anybody that doesn't see this is, is, is a total idiot. And then these people on Wall Street talk the bubble up. Every time there's a bubble, the more it goes on, the more people talk it up. Oh, this time it's different, and oh, the Fed's got her back, and oh, the economy's good. Of course the economy's good. The economy has been stellar every time a bubble has burst. How did the economy look in 1929 in the United States before the Great Depression? It looked wonderful. How did it look in 1989 before Japan collapsed? And we're about the only people on the earth that warned about that collapse, and it was going to last over a decade, and it was going to be severe, because we're printing... A trillion dollars a year. Now, you got a $15 trillion economy, roughly. Mm-hmm. It's taking a trillion dollars in quantitative easing, pure pushing money into the economy and financial system, free money, and about a trillion on average. It's been more and less. It'll be a little less this year, but it's been more and less. About a trillion on average in fiscal deficit. So a trillion in fiscal stimulus, a trillion in monetary stimulus to create 2.1 million jobs and a 2% GDP growth which is less than we've seen in the past, the normal boom period. So my question to anybody that says, oh, if consumers can sustain this, and, oh, this looks like a sustainable recovery, and now we're, we're reaching launch velocity, I'm like, well, what are you smoking? What, where, where would we be without this $2 trillion? And the answer is if we're only getting 2% growth with this much stimulus, way more than we've had any time except for World War II to fight a major war. Where would we be without it? We would be in a depression. We'd be in a massive slowdown. So, so this is artificial. The question should be, how long can a government continue to inflate and, and stimulate an economy, artificially when consumers already borrow too much money in the boom? I, how many people do you know that aren't too much in debt? Consumers are 100 percent of GDP in debt, double what they were as a percentage of income and GDP than they were in 1929 when that bubble started. Why? Because the incredible mortgage thing. Have they done anything to really resolve that?
2: Harry, isn't consumer debt heavily deleveraging? Haven't we come way down on debt levels?
1: No, we've not. Credit cards have come down. That, that was a trillion dollars. Well, that's been replaced by a trillion dollars in student loans. Mortgages have come down some. Consumer debt's probably deleveraged about 10%, gone from about 100% to maybe 92%. In the Great Depression, we went private debt got cut in two thirds. Corporate and consumer debt got massively written down. Why they let banks fail, they let loans go bad. It's painful. Austerity is painful for anybody who thinks I always say if you don't want a hangover, don't drink a bottle of bourbon, you know? We drank the bottle of bourbon. Debt grew, and I don't see how any economist thinks this is sustainable and, and didn't see this as a problem because they didn't. Debt grew from nineteen eighty three to two thousand eight. And I'm talking private debt, not government debt. Mm-hmm It grew 2.7 times GDP for 25 years. How can you have debt grow almost three times GDP and not have a debt crisis? Everybody's like, "Oh, this shouldn't happen," and 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 the government should, uh, you know, make this good. We shouldn't have to go through austerity. Wait a minute, we lived way beyond our means, and was in the private sector borrowed. Three times as much as the government did. And everybody thinking, oh, we got a government debt problem. And we do. It's $16 trillion growing towards perhaps $30 trillion in the next decade, by my estimates, mm-hmm. in a slower, long-term economy. But the private debt is much larger, and nobody's looking at that. And the government, by putting money in the banks, covering the banks' losses, keeping the banking system liquid banks are not writing down loans. If we'd have had a major downturn, they'd have been in deep doo-doo. They would have had to write down loans and, and clear their decks just to survive and a lot of them would have gone under. And, and consumers and businesses would have seen as, as much as $20 trillion out of our $42 trillion in private debt at the top of the bubble disappear, take a huge load off a of consumer of the private sector and instead, this debt's not deleveraging and the government, just like Japan's been doing for 16 years now, is piling on debt to keep stimulating and we only have more debt than we had at the beginning. So we're not, we're not Dealing with the debt crisis, we're kicking the can down the road. When you kick the can down the road, you always get your kick harder. Ask any drug addict.
2: Okay, first of all, if you want to hear this entire interview, uh, go to our website at straighttalkwealth.com. Straighttalkwealth.com. You can listen to the podcast there, sign up for our mailing list, and we will always get you the complete versions of the uh, material that we do produce. But again, this whole conversation really raises the question, why is your entire financial future based on events that you can either predict or control? That's all we're saying. And we're saying that when things are great, I- I'm not trying to talk doom and gloom about something that you know I hope does very well. But I'm also cognizant that we're living in manipulated times. We've had more... Pressure outside. You know, the, the, the stock market is not about just how great the economy is anymore. It's about how much money's getting printed and shoved in the system. And that puts us all at risk. Now, the greatest reason we're really at risk goes back to how retirement was supposed to be and was, in fact, for much of the Bob Hope generation. And that was, it rested on three legs of what's called the retirement stool. The first leg was Social Security. The second leg was your own personal savings and investments. And the third leg was an actual pension from the company. Now, what is a pension? Because this is the crux of the solution. And we're going to offer you a way to actually understand what you can create for your own pension by calling 888-882-5578, 888 because our clients have these now in place. And it's a, it's a large portion of their future, which is predictable, which is controllable. So what a pension does, it's got two elements by nature. It has an element of growth. Now, Uh, unfortunately, many of them were mismanaged, and that kind of led to the beginning of the end of pensions. But going back today, we have methods, and we use major insurers to back us up on this. We don't just do this on our own, our own little office. We're using multi, multi multi-billion dollar companies with A ratings that back these guarantees up. The first guarantee is you're going to get growth while that money is sitting in the pension in deferral before you go to use it. So the best rates we're seeing right now are, are seven guaranteed, but we have several of these that have historic rates of up to 8 to 12% growth. But in every case, never, ever, ever can you lose money from a stock market fall-off or a gold fall-off and by having it vested in these. So it's very, very key. We're not actually playing in the markets. We're looking for accelerated rates of interest. This is somewhere between almost the safety of the banking system and historically probably a much better rate of safety than the banking system, and yet getting you out of unpredictable events. So we... First of all, in order to design that, we do what's called a Retirement Roadmap. That's a free service. You can have that today by calling 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. You're going to leave two times for one of our Straight Talk Wealth Advisors to call you back. They call you back. They ask you six basic questions on the phone to get a snapshot of what your situation actually is because there's way too much grabbing investments like shiny objects off a shelf these days. I heard this is good. My friend says that's good. This is great. I get these calls all the time and I'm like, you know, what are you strategically trying to accomplish in your retirement? How old are you? How much income do you need to derive from it? How much resource do you have to do that? And I get calls everywhere from people that are just dreaming to people that are, are, The game's over. They're set. Everything's fine, and yet they never realized it. So the retirement roadmap is where we start. It's a free service, and it tells us really – what your situation is. Then we can look at where these concepts could be a fit for you. If you're very wealthy, you may want to be able to invest with a free heart and not worry that if inflation hits, all your bills are paid, your lifestyle is paid, and then you can invest with a free heart with the other things that you do. If you're not very wealthy, you need to know whether you're really taking risk on for no reason. Do you need to? Are you within range? Or must you work longer or get your expenses down in order to get yourself a little backed off from the risks that you're taking. All of that is figured out on a retirement roadmap. The number for that is 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. When you get that, we will give you my free report with that. It goes with the retirement roadmap only. It's called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for That. And in that report, I give you a solution, a strategy to manage both inflation and deflation within a single portfolio. So when we come back from this next clip, I'll give you a couple actual case histories that we've developed through retirement roadmaps. The spectrum of different outcomes is really quite fascinating. But right now, I want to talk about Harry Dent here. And I asked Harry, why is there this divergence between Wall Street and Main Street? And and explain to me how the printing of the money is causing directly this bubble in Wall Street. Let's look at that for a minute, Harry. So why are Wall Street and the stock market on such a different track from the economy? Where is this divergence coming from? And what is the actual process of how how all this money is inflating a stock market but not reflective in the economy. How does this money get into the stock market, and, and how does it cause these divergent tracks?
1: Well, well, the answer is who invests in the stock market. Well, it's major financial institutions, investment banks, brokerage firms, you know, investment hedge funds, pension funds, and the highest net worth people. I mean, the top 10% control about 90% of financial assets. Homer Simpson's got squat except for his $200,000 house that's now worth $100,000 or something and maybe underwater. This stimulus goes into the financial system. It causes markets to go up because these banks and investment banks and hedge funds are investing on high leverage. They're no longer lending the money. That's why we're not getting inflation. Money has to be lent and spent when the federal reserve puts it in the system if it's going to lead to inflation it's just being reinvested in speculation it drives up financial assets and guess who holds most of the financial assets the top one five ten percent they're doing great i mean i I can tell you exactly what's happening surveys have consistently showed when they ask people is the economy better than it was three or four years ago or or, you know do you you know do you think we came out of this recession or blah 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 80 percent of people approximately say no we never came out of the great recession and some people call it a depression 20% say, oh, yeah, we're doing better than ever. The 20% are college-educated, 3.5% unemployment, benefiting massively, not unemployed, not high unemployment rates, not worried about losing their job, and they're the ones benefiting from the bubble along with all these financial institutions. The banks and the top 1% to 10% and even 20%, the very people who benefited from the bubble the most in the first place, since the Fed is keeping the bubble going and government's keeping the bubble going, these people are benefiting, and the everyday person keeps falling farther behind. Their wages are only going down. The, the high unemployment, they, they have like 12 to 14 percent unemployment when you calculate it properly. And they're worried about losing their job. And when they do, and if they do get one back, they're going to get a lower wage, not a higher wage. So these people, and these people are the ones that a lot of them have their houses underwater and they can't even refinance if they want to at low rates. They're not benefiting. The top 10 to 20% are benefiting, and you know what? They're going to run out of money. They peak later in their spending than Homer Simpson, and in the next year or two, they're going to roll over. Their kids are going to leave the nest. They're not going to be spending so much money on college and the kids anymore. And then who's going to keep the economy going? It's this top 20% controls over 50% of consumer spending, so you can't think of them as 20%, they're half the economy. They're the ones still spending, and that's why Gucci's doing great, and, and you know, Walmart's doing so-so.
2: By the way, I have to do a pitch for Harry on November 6th through the 8th here in Torrey Pine, Southern California, of all the places in the country that Harry operates. He's going to be hosting the Irrational Economics Summit, okay? And that is going to have a bunch of different speakers that don't all agree with Harry necessarily, you need to come to that. Now that's a two-day conference. Uh, it's gonna be a beautiful setting, very limited right now. I think there's only 400 people allowed. And and we have been given permission. Now the cost of that is gonna be 695. We're giving a substantial discount to those that do call and participate in a retirement roadmap. So if you want to go to the Irrational Economic Summit, we'll get you more information on it. Eventually we will have it posted on our website. $695, you're gonna save a lot of dough. I'm not sure exactly what the discount is, but we're bringing a bunch of people to it. Uh, November 6th or the 8th, you want to call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. I promised you a couple case studies about a retirement roadmap and and how it actually works. I just want to tell you a couple different stories. So just yesterday, I got a guy on the phone, and I had to do this as a thumbnail retirement roadmap, pull the software out because it was a a random call that came in. But this gentleman was heavily invested in gold and was writing me these frantic letters, and my gold going to fall apart i heard it might go down to 250 and all these all these very scared things so you know the thing that i looked at on it is i i had to say what what are you strategically trying to do why are you so worried about your gold and, I, and so then I have to do a retirement roadmap study, which means how old are you? What resource do you have? What lifestyle are you trying to live? So come to find out that this is a gentleman that is trying to retire in a short period. At a young age, 63, he's got about $130,000 to his name, and it's all in gold. No wonder he's panicked. So when we worked the numbers out and we looked at the graph, there was a rule that I had to el- – illustrate to him, which is you you are putting yourself at risk of losing half of what you've got when you don't have a whole lot. So what we had to say is if we lowered your lifestyle to a certain amount, to a certain degree here, and we got closer to the line, and we could get more moderate growth of that a portfolio and put some guarantees in terms of pulling income from it so that if it did run out to zero, you'd still be covered, which is standardly what we do at Straight Talk Wealth Radio and Tax-Free Benefit Specialists, you couldn't make it on, but but the, the guy had to look at how to bring his lifestyle down to a level that he wasn't out on a limb. So retirement roadmap told us that. Um, I had another gentleman who had plenty of money. Um, he was worth, I don't know, $20 million. And he was still worried that he might not be able to carry $120,000 a year in income. So he was way overly worried about inflation and all these other things. But what we were able to do is say, look, let's take a portion of your assets here. And get you freed up on your attention and your your worry and concern about where your investments are going. Because you're always going to be an investor. You're always going to play the real estate market. You're always going to play the stock market. But let's take a portion of your assets and on an inflation basis, and what I mean by that is we gave him enough money to pay all of his bills for the rest of his life guaranteed, but it was also inflated. So every year, the payout looks at the consumer price index and says, well, inflation's up 7% this year. And his payment for the year to cover his bills bumps up 7%, never comes down. That'll go up to 10% a year. So inflation protection is another key element to some of these payouts that we do on these pension concepts, which is the missing leg of retirement planning these days the reason both of these gentlemen were panicked is all they had was investments. They didn't have anything that covered their bills that was guaranteed. And this gentleman, you know, I could have looked at his investments and said, you know, well, you've got plenty of money. I don't know what you're worried about. But he was worried. But by covering his bills on an inflation-protected basis, he was able to back off from the worry about his investments and invest with a free heart. We found that on a retirement roadmap. I also have another gentleman who had so many income sources coming in at 73 he actually didn't know he could retire he had double the amount of income sources available for him to tap than he ever needs to pay his bills with but what was odd was a close to a million dollars was sitting at risk in the market when he had so much income the only thing he could do wrong is to lose what he's saved see in other words he could retire tomorrow which he didn't know and he'll have enough income coming in but he, to leave the bulk of his wealth exposed to a 50% loss if the markets fall is the one thing that could be fatal and send him back to work. We discovered about that by taking the 10,000 foot view on the retirement roadmap. When we look at solutions on this, we look at the pension concepts and we go to those concepts of solutions because that is the third leg of the retirement le- stool that is missing. And these pension concepts, Varying different benefits they have. Some of the benefits are 7% per year growth up until the time you pull the trigger and you say, I want the income. Then, when you pull the income, some of these will give you an inflation protected income. Another feature that there's just one company right now offering, which is that if you go into a long term care facility and you haven't gotten long term care insurance, and you're in a facility and now you got a problem, they will triple the amount of income that you've been receiving from that pension as long as you're in the facility. An income tripler if you need long-term care. That's a big factor for people that were too old or waited too long to get a policy. The number for all of that, to get the study done, to look at the proposals, no pressure here. I refuse to pressure someone. If you're not interested in these concepts, let's move on and you're welcome to continue to get information, but I don't have time to pressure someone in a sales meeting. The number for that is triple eight 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 two five five seven eight. Triple eight 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 two five five seven eight. If the lines are full, just keep dialing in. They will die out eventually. And by the way, I I know I sound angry. I'm just always in a hurry when I'm on the radio. I'm actually a really nice, easygoing guy to get along with. So uh, uh, I'm just passionate about what I'm talking about here, okay? Call the number. We can help you out. So the next segment we did here was we asked Harry Dent about triggers. What could trigger popping this bubble? Now, I want to give you a little background really quick so that you understand some of the terms he's talking about. So he looks at demographic influences as a way to predict economies, birth rates, how much populations are growing. And so the, you need to understand the baby boom generation. If you've ever looked at the charts is a massive spike in the birth rate. So, our generation was so dominant in, in all the phases that we went through. I mean, the Rolling Stones are still the top grossing uh, touring band because th- we're still the biggest audience out there if you can get us out of our rockers and get us to go rock. So, so you know, and we've got all our kids brainwashed into liking the Rolling Stones. So, you know, they're still the biggest pull, you know. Look for the baby boom generation, but you also have to understand that con- concurrent with who the generation is, is what are the spending patterns that the typical industrialized economy, that's all Western economies, families go through. And typically, they will increase their consumption. You heard earlier, retail consumption is 70% of our gross domestic product in this country. They will continue to increase their retail consumption until somewhere around age 47 to 50, that is the head of the house. At that point, children start to leave. And the entire intention of a family changes to one of saving and putting money away. That takes money out of the economy. So it's a really important feature. You can get interest rates down to zero. You can loan those people all the money they want. But they're reflecting an organic fact that demand is going to decrease. We are seeing that in the Western economies. We're certainly going to see it in China. China's got a huge upside-down population problem from their one-child policy. They way overbuilt their infrastructure they have 64 million uninhabited apartments and a shrinking population that will be occurring. They cut the man when you do that. So that's a key influence. And so what Harry's going to look at here, I asked him what the triggers are. He's going to refer to demographics. So I want you to understand the, the importance of that concept to looking at future trends. Hey, Harry, listen, we polled our listeners a little bit to kind of find out what questions they wanted me to ask you. And uh, most of what came up was uh, a question of triggers Harry, what do you see are the triggers that are going to make things turn so severely that the world will start running for the exits?
1: Well, the first thing to understand, and we saw this in 2008, I tell people a worldwide stock crash and a recession in many countries was triggered by four states in the United States having a subprime crisis, a subprime crisis concentrated in California, Nevada, Arizona, and Florida. Four states brought down the world. Now, four states can't bring down the world unless the world has a big problem. It was because demographics were starting to slow in most developing countries, and it was because debt had gone to two to three times the level, as in the Roaring Twenties, and any bubble in the history, that's what caused the economy was greatly stretched. So when it's so stretched, it doesn't take much. So that's the first thing you got to understand. Right now, Spain, Portugal, Greece, three southern European countries, which would keep falling into deeper recessions and depressions, 50%-plus youth unemployment. Spain had the biggest real estate bubble in the U.S. High immigration came in. Now the immigrants are leaving because they don't have jobs. It's a mess. And those three states have the same population as those four states in the United States. I mean, those three countries. Mm -hmm. It caused the subprime bubble last time. So Southern Europe could blow up. I just saw the other day, last night, some guy in Portugal has got a a best-selling financial book, better selling than Fifty Shades of Grey, one of the leading fiction books. In Portugal, and he's saying why Portugal should leave the euro. All it takes is one country to either you know, fail so badly that it can't be bailed out anymore or forced to be to leave the euro or choose to leave the euro.
2: So a rupture a rupture in the European Union.
1: That's so, one thing. Rising interest rates is another trigger. What we see, Japan just had the most aggressive stimulus program announced in history, and at first their bond rates went from 0.7% wow, down to 0.5%, which is unbelievably low for a bankrupt country. And now they've already moved back near 1%. I mean, if they keep going up, Japan has two two 2.5 times GDP just in government debt, 2.5 times what we have in the U.S. If interest rates go up 1% point, 2 percentage point, their interest will overwhelm them. Um, rising interest rates here would, could help choke off the, the real estate recovery and the economic recovery. Uh, it's going against the feds trying to keep them down. At some point, private investors say, look, you're either going to create inflation here, which is less likely, or... You know, you're going to have to exit. Right now, interest rates are going up in the U.S. because people are saying, God, the Fed, does, if the economy keeps doing pretty well, the Fed's going to have to back off at some point. If they stop buying their own bonds, the world's not going to come running, mm-hmm. you know, because our economy's still anemic, and then there's plenty of other options, and they're low rates, so rates will have to rise. Japan's interest rates are rising for the more obvious reason that Japan said, we're going to get a two-week they Japan, by the way, has had zero inflation and zero GDP growth on average for the last 16 years, what I call a coma economy. So they've gotten desperate and said, we're going to get 2% inflation. We're going to get some spending and GDP growth come hell or high water. Well, the bond markets look at that and say, well, they may be going to be buying more of their bonds, but they're absolutely serious about a 2% inflation rate. How can we be sitting at a half a percent yield with 2% inflation? These bonds should be at two and a half, three percent 3%. So if interest rates start to go up despite Fed attempts to hold them down, that's another trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, you know, massive – I mean, you've got China.
2: Let's talk about emerging markets in China for a minute. Uh, You mentioned in your last newsletter, you said a vicious cycle is beginning wherein falling commodity prices hurt uh, emerging market exports, which hurts China's export, causes commodity prices to fall further, which hurts exports and so on. Could China and the emerging countries end up triggering the next global crisis instead of Europe? So explain that cycle. How does this work of this sort of dwindling cycle in the emerging markets and commodity prices?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, we've been saying for years now that commodity prices peaked in mid-2008. Emerging countries are not like us, especially in their stock markets. Their stock markets are dominated, most of them, by some large companies that export resources and commodities and then the financial institutions that, that finance them. I first realized this even in Australia, which is a developed country. But, but their stock market fell more than ours did. In 2008, they didn't have a recession. They didn't have a banking crisis a housing meltdown, anything. You know, and, and, and somebody said, well, the reason is our top companies, our top companies that dominate our valuation, six companies, are three banks and three big resource exporters, and they got hit. And so the stock market went down. That's the way emerging countries are.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
1: ex- they rely on heavy exports of commodities. Commodity prices go down. Their industries slow, their best industries and jobs slow, their stock market goes down. Emerging markets are down, or 20% off their highs while U.S. markets and German markets are making new highs. They've been underperforming since April 2011, and they correlate more with commodity prices than other stock markets. So this is a vicious cycle. Commodity prices slow down because of slowing demand and a bubble bursting, and that hurts the exports and stock prices of these emerging countries. Now emerging countries are China's biggest country customers. Yeah, I think
0: that's and the crux of that. this.
1: And it, then it, so China's exports slow down and then but China consumes most of the raw materials from these export these emerging countries, so that slows their exports to China and boom 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 and then commodity prices keep going. It is a vicious cycle and I'm I think because of so much stimulus and bailouts they can kinda they've been able to contain the European crisis to a minor recession on average. They, they can't turn it around, but they can keep it from turning into an outright depression. But this may just come from the outside, from left field. I mean, if the merging countries in China start slowing dram- dramatically, what's going to hold up the economy? It's the last leg, because Europe's in recession, the U.S. is taking massive stimulus to create 2% growth at best on average, and it, it, the merging markets is still creating most of the growth in the world. If they go,
2: Again, the message of the show is just it's risk on out there, whether you know it or not. And the bottom line is you call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. We're going to help you figure out strategically what you're trying to get done for your retirement planning by using a retirement roadmap for no cost, no obligation. And they're going to be able to show you strategies of guaranteed 7% growth on the income value of an account, which doesn't sound too sexy next to 25, but when the market falls it has no bearing on that whatsoever it just keeps doing it seven percent growth and then payouts you know income streams that can index for inflation or that can triple if you need long-term care that's what we're talking about as a replacement put that leg of the stool back in terms of the pension concept 888 let's go back and let harry tell you what the average guy should be doing um, Harry, our listeners are are working people. They're 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 not necessarily the ultra wealthy. I don't know that they uh, have AM radios in their cars anymore. But um, in the working class, in in people that are out there on the line trying to save for retirement and thinking about uh, just achieving that goal of retiring one day, within that class, who's going to get hurt if this party comes to to an end?
1: Well, you know, the middle class has taken most of its hits. I mean, I think housing is going to go down further if the world economy goes down. Uh, in the next few years, and I think it's going to, housing will dip, and it will go lower. So there will be some more pain there. But a lot of people have already taken pain uh, or, or have already you know, restructured their mortgage and gotten lower payments or something, but there will be more pain there. And to the degree that people get back in their 401K and an investment plan and get back into stocks and gold and financial assets, there's going to be a lot of pain. So the discipline, and it's hard. I mean, now that things have bubbled up so much again, there's, I, I look at the stock market as 5% on the upside, 10% at best, and 60% or more on the downside. That's not a good risk-reward so You've got to resist the temptation. A lot of everyday investors jumped out when the bubble burst, and they've been slow to get back in. Don't get back in now. I think the markets are going a little higher. End of the summer, and then I think this bubble, this bubble looks like it's close to getting to bursting time again. And, and boy, you don't want to get caught in another 50 to 60 percent crash.
2: So, the name of the game you believe right now for the working class is, is preservation as opposed to. Uh...
1: Yeah, preserve the capital you got. And then when things crash again, then you can reinvest. And then you got to reinvest in the right places. If you can get in the sectors that do well as baby boomers move in their 60s and 70s, then you're oh. going to get a stronger bounce than if you just buy companies that are going to continue to see slowing demand for cars and houses and, and you know basic goods clothing and stuff because that's just going to continue to slow so you know you you gotta you gotta if you're not the smart money you gotta think like the smart money that's what we try to do for people say look you don't have to be sophisticated to understand these big cycles and demographics and geopolitical cycles and 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 even there's some very important 10-year cycles and four-year cycles things that could just tell you get the odds in your favor nobody i can't tell you the exact top and bottom i can make guesses but we can tell you when there's more danger. We're saying the biggest danger we see coming is between late 2013 and early 2015, and then the second danger cycle is, is around late 2017 to early 2020. And if we see a crash into 2014 or 15, then you can invest again for a while. And then if things bubble up again, and you've got to have the discipline to get out. But you can't just sit in the markets anymore and expect the markets to go up. And you can't listen to the standard stockbroker that says, oh, we got you diversified. Asset allocation will save you. I asked you, how did it do in 2008 when everything went down except for the U.S. dollar index and, yep. and your treasure bonds? Everything went down, including real estate. How, how did asset allocation work? Asset allocation works most of the time, but not in the winter season.
2: Okay, Harry. Well, I really appreciate your time. It's been a great interview, and uh, let's see. Uh, let's see, if we can get some uh, people over to uh, the Irrational Economics Summit in La Jolla, November sixth through the eighth. Okay. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. The Rational Economic Summit is going to be an incredible event in November. Harry's bringing in all kinds of different economists. It's going to be down at Torrey Pines. It's just down the road from us, L.A. And when you call 888 888 and get a retirement roadmap study done with us, you will get a substantial discount on the 695 entrance fee for the Irrational Economic Summit. Uh, here is a friend of mine, he offered to do that to support the show. So as you may have surmised, this is not a show about what to invest in. This isn't about investing. Au contraire, it's the opposite. And you know what? It's God bless people that are still trying to save money and get something accumulated or people that are trying to get out of debt. There's other great shows. What we're addressing today is those that have accumulated substantial wealth based on the good luck and blessings that we've had. The federal government has done what they did to pull us out of 2008. But the point is there is still underlying problems with the system that have not been fixed. We are living in a bubble market economy. It is one bubble after another. It is not straightforward growth based on good, sound principles. It is interference from the government that is causing constant bubbles. And what we don't want you to do is have your entire financial future tied to events that you can neither predict or control. The answer goes back to what is missing in retirement planning from the very start these days, which is if you had a pension that had no correlation to your investments, you would have another very sound leg to stand on. So what we do is we focus on where the best deals are to get those pension concepts. Two major portions to that. One would be a guarantee of what sort of growth you can expect, always a guarantee against loss from market failure or whatever. If gold goes, if stocks go, I don't care, it doesn't affect how our pensions Uh, lose money. They won't lose money as a result. They may make more, they may make less. And some of them will just give you a flat guarantee. The other guarantee will be of growth. The other guarantee will be of the payout. If your account goes to zero and there's nothing left on it, we still have pension concepts that will continue to pay as long as you and your spouse are both living. Some of those payouts can be geared towards inflation and index. So if inflation's up to 10% a year, your payment per year is going to go up 10% a year. Some of those have a triple payout so that if you wind up in in a facility, long-term care, your pension would triple. You owe it to your Yourself to find out how this could get you off the hot seat of always worrying about your investments. The number to call is 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. You must follow the instructions on the recording. Leave two times for us to call you back. It's been a pleasure working with you, and um, we'll see you again soon. Thanks. Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion of financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax-free benefit specialist and insurance services, California license 0E48147.